talking about the claims of Christ the last couple of weeks and about what the mission of Calvary Church is. Our mission is to compel every person in Central Illinois to seriously consider the claims of Christ and to support efforts to do the same around the world. So today, what is the claim of Christ that we're going to talk about? Last week, we talked about Jesus being divine, and we are the branches. And let's see what else the Word has to say, what else Jesus claimed to be. Let's stand for the reading of the Scripture, if you would. In John, the book of John, and chapter 6, starting with verse 35, it says this. Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. Let's pray. Father, we love you so much, and we are exceedingly grateful for all that you are to us, Lord God. We pray that you would help us to grab a hold of these truths that we've been talking about over the last few weeks, God, and that they would come to a new light inside of our hearts and our lives. God, guide us and lead us to trust you and to walk close to you each and every day. Bless our pastor as he comes and shares today. Let the word be alive inside of him and inside of us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, we're going to let our children, our elementary age children, you need to go out this door right here. Miss Lindsay is over there. So if you find Miss Lindsay, you're on the right track. And we are going to shake hands and be friendly. Galilee. 
continued to do miracles. People were being healed. Amazing things were happening. All of this was being done to confirm who he was to the people, that he was the Messiah, the one sent from God. Uh, one day, uh, during all of this time, and they're all following him, thousands and thousands of people, over 5,000 people, had come out to a mountainside, and Jesus and the disciples were up on the side of the mountain and sat down, and the people were coming in mass because of the miracles that were taking place. And Jesus decides to feed them. Now, you got to think about this. Just think about it. If I called the staff up here and said, just, let's just feed everybody here right now. You know, feeding takes some planning, doesn't it? It takes some effort, especially the larger the group does. If you're, and some of you, I know some of you have probably been playing Thanksgiving dinner already. Because the group's coming. And you have to be ready for it. Now, Jesus, on the spur of the moment, just kind of looks at him and goes, uh, you know, hey, Philip, uh, how are we going to feed all these people? Now, the Bible tells us that this was a test. He was testing Philip to see if he caught on yet to who he was. And he's still learning about Jesus, and he's still figuring Jesus out like many of us are. And we're trying to put the A's and the B's and the ones and the twos together and figure what this adds up to. And, and, and he's still... He's still kind of confined to his natural worldview without the power of God in it, just like many of us are at times. And when that happens, that affects our actions. When we, when we begin to pass judgments on the things God's telling us to do through a worldview of a world without God, it begins to look impossible real quick. And that's where Philip was at. His statement ends up being that one one bite of food, if I just gave everybody, if we just went out and bought food for everybody, and we gave them all one bite of food, it would be six months' wages. He's trying to help Jesus understand the accounting of the moment. Andrew speaks up, and he says, uh, we, have a, we have a small boy here. He has uh, five small barley loaves. Barley loaves, you think about bread, there's different types of bread. It's like you can go to Panera and get different types of bread. And in that day and age, the barley loaf would have been the cheapest kind of bread. The most common man would have eaten it because he didn't have money to buy the better stuff. And the little boy's there with cheap bread and two false, two small fishes and and Andrew offers it up. I'm not sure how the boy felt about it. But Andrew offers it up with this statement. That's not going to go very far. And Jesus now looks at all of this. He's about to show them and teach us something about life in the kingdom. That life in the kingdom, mathematics is different. How things happen has an added power to it. There's a change that takes place because God's involved. And so what we have here is we have a small boy, a small offering, com coming together with kingdom power. Just a small boy. 
just a small offering, not much to go very far. Can't do too much with it. The kingdom power is about to be added to it. The strength of God is about to be put into it. And that small boy's offering is about to become a story that people will talk about for centuries. Jesus takes it and he blesses it. He puts his blessing upon it. And these loaves and these fishes as he gives thanks for them are distributed and that day it not only feeds thousands, but I love this word, it satisfies they're happy with it. And when it's all done, when it's all said and done, they collect 12 basketfuls of leftovers. That's a pretty good day for a few small loaves and a few small fishes. One of the lessons here that we need to learn out of this great story is to be thankful for what God's given us. And when we're thankful, we're genuinely thankful for what God's given us. Even the little that seems to be before it can become something that satisfies us and meets our needs, and there can be plenty left over. Their needs have been met for a moment. Now, I want you to remember this, because if you read this chapter this week, John chapter 6, at the end of this story, when it's all said and done, there's a huge church split. In fact, the majority of people leave Jesus at the end of the day and say what he's telling them is too hard and too hard to the point that Jesus looks at the very apostles and says to them, are you going to leave me too? Are you thinking about checking, up, checking out? See, their needs have been met for the moment. This action, you would think, would have engendered loyalty. You'd think that they'd taken care He's taken care of me. He's blessed us. He didn't have to do this. He's, he's blessed us. He's met our need. He's done these wonderful things. And you would think there would be some engendering of loyalty there. There would be some faith that had developed uh, that, that, that God can meet their personal needs. But that night, as the evening ends and everybody uh, goes to wherever they go at the end of that night, Jesus departs up on the mountainside to pray. And the disciples head out to sea, to cross the sea. And somewhere in the middle of that night, Jesus walks out and meets them on the sea, and they go to the other side of Galilee. The crowds wake up the next morning, and their initial needs have been met. They've been satisfied. They've had a good day the day before. And so they think they'll go back to church. And they start looking for Jesus. And they noted that he had left with the disciples, but he wasn't there anymore. So they, they began to search around the sea, and they traverse around the sea by ship and by walking around until they finally find him. And Jesus, he sees them coming, and he, he reads into what's going on in their minds and in their hearts. And he realizes they've missed the point. They're coming for more food, for more things for themselves, and they're missing that the whole
want him to feed the flesh and to meet their needs. But Jesus knows, as he does today, that when we see him as our vending machine, this isn't good. We miss what he really is when that center of our life is about what we're going to get out of them. So he tells them something that shakes them up a little bit. He says, don't work for food that spoils, but for food that endures for eternity. It's hard to think about the deeper need when the belly's hungry. When there's a personal desire that needs to be met. When there's a personal problem in our life that we would like the miracle-working power of God to solve now. When there's a question in our mind about what's going on in our life. It's hard sometimes reach out and realize that there's a deeper need. The personal need becomes our reason to cry out to God. And sadly, just like this crowd, that's where many people stay. They've had, God has met a need. They sense the satisfaction of God and their spirit for a moment or He's healed them in an instant or some amazing thing has happened in their past and they plant themselves right there with God. Their prayer life, their experience with God is all about more manna, more barley bread, more cheap bread. Jesus lets them know, I'm not going to do that. Maybe it's because he knows that if that is all he is to us, that we will never discover the deeper part, the more important part of who he is. We're not given great insight, and all we know is he says, that's it. I'm not doing that anymore. Then he tells them something that, again, begins to rock their world. is going to lead to great division of most of them going home and saying, enough of this guy. He tells them he is the bread of life. And if you come to him, you will never hunger again, and you will never thirst again. Now, what does he mean? Does he mean that we're never going to have physical hunger? What does he mean? Does he mean that we're never going to get thirsty in our flesh again? No, that's not even close to what he means. When Jesus says he's the bread of life, he's talking about the deep needs of our spirit, of who we are as a people and as a creation. Does life seem futile to you sometimes? Does it seem like things are out of control? Are you hungry for real purpose? Have, have the circumstances in life, do they overwhelm you from time to time? Are you plagued by fears? Do you really long for peace in your life? Do you wonder about eternity? Do you find yourself many, many times asking, why? Why is this happening? Why is this going on? Are you angry with your position in life, suspicious about the things of life and doubt about what's going on in life? Have you ever been truly physically hungry? I mean, have you gone days without food? And really been hungry. When you do, let me tell you what happens. You 
feel the physical effects of not having enough food. And, and, and you feel weaker than what you normally are. You feel tired. You get wore out. And easily. One of the things that most people, you get easily annoyed.
were going upstairs in our house, and there was a side bedroom, and I walked And there up on the shelf was the can, the big can that I kept all my army men. I don't know how it got there. I guess my mom had taken it out of my room at some point in my past and moved it into that other room and set it up there. I hadn't touched it, and I don't know how long. And I looked up at that, that, that group of army men, and I thought, well, I haven't done that in a long time. I was bored. It's been years since I played drum And I remember getting that, that can down and taking the time to set every one of those army men up and kind of lay out a little battlefield and I'm going to play with these army men and, and then it's time for the battle, you know, and you And I had a, you know, just got the battle started when it just kind of dawned on me. This is stupid. This isn't entertaining at all. This is dumb. What if my friends today saw me playing with these army men? I would be embarrassed. This is a bad thing. And in an instant, I grabbed up all those army men and threw them back in the can. Walked over and put them back on the shelf. And when I did, I realized why would I ever play with these men? The day that they could satisfy anything in my life will pass. Will pass. Our toys get bigger. We find more adult behavior to fill our imagination. So remember, the things we grasp for in the present to satisfy the needs of our spirit are the cheap bread. It's the barley bread. And if Jesus leaves us there, just being one to satisfy our flesh every time we cry out to Him. We're left in our immaturity and we'll never discover the depth of who He is. At some point in time in our life, we have to realize that the cheap, it's the cheap bread that spoils. That everything in life eventually turns. You run the length of the field, and you're no longer satisfied. You've done all the things in your career. You've done all the things with your family. Everything has happened, and there's still an emptiness within. And to this, Jesus says, I am the bread of life. And any man who comes to me will not hunger again. He'll thirst no more. And it's many times right at this point that the crowd leaves. When Jesus says no to our surface desires, no to our demands, no to our expectations, no to how we think things should go, and says no, let me be your fullness, let me be your life, let me be your all. Come and rest in me. It's right here that many walk away. Jesus calling us to the greater need is the answer to many of our whys. Why did this happen, God? Why is this going on? Why didn't you do this for me? Where are you? Why, why, why didn't you intervene? That we might come to him. 
that we might cry out to him, that he might be our source of life and all, and not this world. Instead, people get mad at God because he doesn't do exactly what they expect him to do. He doesn't jump right through the hoops they expect him. He's not their Santa Claus in the sky bringing gifts every time they want them to show up in just the way they want them. And what he's really trying to do is meet our greatest need. What, really, what they should really do is Christ. See, at the moment of the why, you have the opportunity to have a great breakthrough moment with God. In that moment when you, when, when the bread, when the, when the barley bread and the fishes aren't being passed out, that's when you have your greatest moment to really discover the depth of what God can do in you when the flesh and the things of the world aren't the way you want them to be. That's when you can really cry out to God and meet with God in a way and have a breakthrough moment with God. And it comes down to this. Not why God. It comes down to God, I need you. I need you. Listen to what Jesus says just a bit later in this story. In John 6, 53. So Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, in other words, he said, listen up. I'm going to tell you something important. Unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. For my flesh is true blood, or true food, and my blood is true drink. Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me. We talked about that word last week, abiding, that intentional, purposeful act of being in the presence of God. Abides in me, and I in him. As the living Father sent me, and I live because of the Father, so whoever feeds on me, he also will live because of me. This is the bread that came down from heaven. Not the bread that the fathers ate and died. Talking about the manna and the desert. They ate that and they died. I'm not talking about that, but I'm not talking about the simple things here that meet your daily needs for a moment. Whoever feeds on this bread, he says, lives forever. He doesn't want us to fall into this trap of thinking that all he's here for is to meet our simple every moment needs. He wants us to rest in him, to know him, to have him, to be able to be satisfied in him when all the needs of the flesh aren't there. To be able to sing in the prison like Peter and Paul, James and John. To be able to go into the toughest of moments in life with the satisfaction of the Spirit of God guarding our heart and giving us we begin to treat him as the one who's supposed to jump at our every whim and do our every our every bidding at every moment in just the way. We put ourselves in the place of God. We put him as the one who must answer to us. And when we say, God, if you don't do it just my way, I'm out of here. You know what he's going to do? He's going to let you be out of here. Because there's no life in you all. 
presence of Jesus through a relationship with Him, through inviting Him into your life and asking Him into your life. Starting with Him being the Lord of your life, the Savior of your life, and then this continuing relationship with Him. But here's the sad thing. Many people, many good people, many people who trust Jesus for salvation have faith in Him for their eternity are still holy, seeking the manna. They're still looking for what they're going to get out, out, out from Him here. I am so thankful that God needs the desires of our heart. I'm so thankful that He needs many of our needs. But guess what? The desires of our heart change when we're meeting with Him daily. Many, many people come to church all the time. They know all about the Bible. They've heard the story. But they haven't learned how to feed on it. They believe, but they believe, but the longing of their soul goes, goes unanswered. Because they've not let Jesus give them of himself. They, they still try, they still wrestle with controlling everything around them. Family and everyone else. Try to do it in their own power. They still wrestle with their anger. They still wrestle with the emptiness of their life. They still wrestle with their fears. It wrecks their families. It makes bad relationships happen. And in the middle of it, even though there's numerous ones around, they're blaming others. They belong to their soul. But are the real issue. Because they haven't come to rest in Jesus and to be satisfied. Listen, I cannot have a relationship with Jesus for you. You understand that? Your, your spouse cannot have a relationship with Jesus. That's this last week. Nobody can have a relationship with Jesus for you. So here, here's what I want you to try. Don't believe it. Here's what I want you to try. Uh, how many of you got to eat something after church today sometime? If you didn't raise your hand, then while you're fasting today, just remember me. God is passing from For those of us who are planning on eating after Thursday, here's what. See if, see if you think this might work. Instead of going and getting something to eat, find some friend and say, you know what? I'm tired today. You know what? I'm, I'm kind of busy today. I got things wrong. You know what? My life is so full. My life is so full of activity. I have so much out. I really don't have time. So here's, here's 10 bucks, here's 20 bucks. When you go out to the restaurant and eat for them, go on, go, go enjoy a good meal on me, and, and, and but just do it for me. Now, whatever you're doing that day, if you're taking a nap, and they've been out eating, and you wake up, do you think you're going to wake up satisfied? Oh, my friend John had dinner for me. Oh, I feel so good. I feel the strength of that food in me, and that was a great meal. Is that what's going to happen when you wake When you get going, get going busy today, you go, oh, God just finished eating for me. I, man, thank you, man. I'm glad you took the time to do that. You know what? Nobody can have a relationship with that food for you, can they? You've got to have the relationship with the food. You know, when you sit here today and you think about what's happening here today, this I, I'm kind of like the 
church friend that tells you after the after church today about the new restaurant in town that you ought to go by and try. I can sit out there and say, wow, it's got the best food. They brought me this huge steak. It was the best steak. It was about this thick. It was cooked perfectly, seasoned perfectly. They had a big baked potato. They had sour cream and butter and chives. Everything was on it. It was, it was they had it all fixed up so nice for it. The salad was wonderful. It only cost two bucks. It was great. You're going to love this place. I don't know how they stay in business. You don't sit there and go, oh, that's satisfied me. That satisfied me. That, that took care of me. I don't need to do anything. No, what do you do? You get to, where's that restaurant? How do I get there? Better get there fast before other church people get there. Hope they don't run out. Why? Because the, the essence of it, this is what the essence of it. Today, days like today, are to say, hey, here's how to go eat. But you've got to go eat. You've got to go do it. You have to go try it. Here's my question. When was the last time you got along with God? Just you and God. On your knees. bedroom someplace, in a study, corner of the church somewhere, alone, you and God. So not, not coming to God and saying, oh God, my Uncle Bill's sick. Not coming to God, God, my marriage is having trouble. Not coming to God and saying, God, touch my children, they are driving me crazy. Hear me. Does God listen to all those things? Yes, He does. But I want to tell you, it's still cheap bread. Oh, Pastor, my kids are the most important thing in the world. Still cheap bread. You're asking God to perform for it. What you really need is God. What you really need. When was the last time you got along just to say, God, here I am? It's amazing. It's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a fact. It's a fact of our nature. We have somebody going through crisis, and all of a sudden they're a prayer for All of a sudden they're down at the altar seeking God. All of a sudden they're praying all the time. Because we're hungry. We've got a physical need. And Jesus was trying to get through to us here. Hey, I am the bread of life. I am greater. I will sustain you through all of this. I will be with you. So when was the last time you, you, you went to God and said, God, I want more of you in my life. I, wanna, I want you to come into my spirit and to touch me. I want to I feast on who you are. I'm not asking for any manna. I'm asking for you today. When was the last time when everyone was, was gone from your house but you, that you turned everything off, you shut everything down, and you just walked through the house and worshipped God and lifted your hands to Him and said, God, I love you. I, I long for you. I want to be in a personal relationship with you. I'm so grateful for your son and everything he's done for me. I just want you in my life. I'm just hungry for your presence. I just want your bread to fill my soul. When was the last time you thanked Him for His goodness and opened your heart for His wisdom and His strength to pour into your spirit and just told Him, God, I need you and I need your Son. 
last time you shut a door and looked into heaven and said, I will not leave here until you touch me. God, I'm hungry for you. Oh, I know. You said that pastor. That's not me. I wouldn't know what to say. Well, I just told you what to say. Listen up. Get back online this week and listen to this part. What do I do? You ask for His presence. And you thank Him for His goodness. Show me a man in the Bible. And I will show you a great man in the Bible. And I will show you a man who practiced feeding his soul in the presence of God. Alone with God. Abraham, Israel, Moses, Samuel, David, Jeremiah, Daniel, Isaiah, John the Baptist, even Jesus himself, the Son of God, got alone with the Father and feasted in the presence and let his flesh be healed and touched by the power of the presence of God. He tells us, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me will never thirst. As you want to be in Here's the challenge with you. Get along with God for me. Well, if you've never done it, you may feel weird, you may feel uncomfortable, but it won't be long. It's good to say, I'm going I'm to shut this door for the next 15 minutes. I'm doing nothing but seeking God. You're doing nothing but seeking God. Let me tell you, if you start doing that on a regular basis, you'll start, your life will be changed. I'm telling you, this is the most life-changing thing I can tell you about right here today. Get along with God. Cry out to God. Have a relationship with Jesus. Feed on Him and let His presence come into your life. And He'll give you the strength to face whatever's coming. He'll give you the strength to go, I don't know why, but I trust Him. I don't know why, but I know Him. I, I, I don't have an answer for that one. But I know God. I know how great He is. And I know He's going to walk me right through this. Why?
about Him. All are welcome, and every one of us can have that experience. But in God's great power, Jesus is able to fit focus right on you. And this all reminds us, it's about our salvation, yours, your individual salvation. I can't be saved for you. Your mom and dad can't be saved. The church can't be your salvation. Only Jesus can be your salvation. And in a moment, in a simple moment, with a simple prayer, a simple ask, God, I surrender my life to you. I put my faith in your son, Jesus. Everything changes. God breaks through in your life. Father, right now, across the street, you know the condition of every soul. And Father, today, there's some in this room that today, they need to take that, that step and put their faith in your son to be their savior. And we invite them to do that right now. Simply ask to be the Lord and the Savior of their life. this emblem today in our hands of your son's body that was broken, reminding us of what he did for us. And as we partake in it, reminding us that this is our individual relationship with him, what he's done for us. And so today, Father, Mark Johnson, I remember what your son did for me.
Walk alone, pray alone, come with somebody else and pray, but seek the presence of God. Because we believe that the answer to man's greatest needs are, in the, are answered in this very simple truth. Jesus is the bread of life. And so for the next several weeks, we're going to be receiving an offering at the end of the service to help with all the expenses of the move. It's an offering. Give it to the Lord and lay it on your heart. We're praying for God to bless us in unexpected ways. And one of our fine young ladies come to me this week and say, Pastor, this week I've been in my office, and they came in, and they passed out a $100 bonus check to everybody in the office. So I held out my hand, I thought, this is that unexpected blessing Pastor talking about. Well, yep, there you go. So we're praying for that particular